In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. I'm not here with Jack. Jack's at a theatre somewhere, and I'm here with Ian. Right, right, right. Ian, big news today. Deshaun Watson is out there. How are you feeling about everything? Oh, I think the whole thing is just greasy, Paul. I mean, it's just one of those stories where I don't think there's a right answer. I don't think there's a wrong answer. I think there's a lot of opinions. I think a lot of people are going to have different opinions. I think I can understand. I can understand all sides of it. I may not agree with all sides, but it's, I've been a Browns fan for a long time. And I will say it is a, uh, it is a unique time to, to use just general words when talking about my football team in the sense that we're talking about happy endings and rubbing tugs and all this other stuff for a guy that's getting paid $230 million by a football team. Well, let's talk about a few um, Twitter comments that we've both made today. I put, if Jacoby gets Brown six and zero, do you drop him for Deshaun Watson against the Ravens? Ooh, I've been having a lot of interesting comments that have come back. So um, yeah, very, very exciting actually, uh, some of them, but, this is the theory behind why I said it. There's a chance we go four and zero. And when you're four and zero, what's the difference between five and zero, six and zero? That's just my thought process. But yes, it is very, very, very small chances. But that's why we love sport, because you just never know. And I've got something down on Twitter. So if it did go five and zero, it would be very good to go back to every single one of them tweets and just say, uh, who's stupid now? But look, let's be honest. We haven't won the first game in 20 years. We're playing Baker Mayfield. He's going to have a chip on his shoulder. Who knows what's going to happen? Well, I mean, that is true. And I mean, when talking about Jacoby Brissett and whether or not he's got the team running high and, you know, all these other things, I mean, it, it it's just a weird offseason. I mean, we're back in training camp. We got a Hall of Fame game this week. You know, we know for at least for right now that Deshaun Watson's going to be out six games, potentially more. You know, I know I was talking to uh, Jack and I were talking to Jackson McCurry and he, you know, he was like, you know what, I'm going to hold off on doing a podcast till we know a little bit more. You're right, Paul. It's like one of those things where there's there's a lot of content out there. We don't really want to go down some roads because if you go down the road with Deshaun Watson, you're going to be reading about how massage therapists frequently touch male erect penises. And yes, this is a thing directly from uh, the 16 page report by Sue Robinson. I'm a lot, most of the way through it. I skimmed through it. There's a lot of jargon there. So there's that topic conversation. And then there's the actual football conversation, but I want to, I want to just high level, give our audience an understanding of what's going on. Because I think there's a lot of misinformation out there. And I think that when you start getting into legal jargon and legal documents, people get a little confused. So here's how we got here. The NFL, and this is laid out. So if you go to the 16 page thing, you're going to see it. Page one, Sue Robinson's going to talk about what the personal conduct policy in the NFL is. So you can go and read that. I'm not going to summarize it. We all know what it is. Don't do bad things. 
in page two, she talks about how in 2020, we've changed the policy per the CBA where there's this independent arbitrator. So the process in which this whole thing was looked at is not up for debate, right? There's a CBA in place that says, this is how the process is going to follow. Now there's appeals and all that other crap. We're not going to go down that road. Then she gets into the details of the allegations, right? And I think what happened was, is today when people saw, oh, it's only six games or it's only this, there was like this belief that Deshaun Watson was absolved from all of the things that we're saying. Because there's a lot of people out there saying, he didn't do this, he didn't do that, he didn't do this. Well, the irony here is in this whole thing, there's a statement on page two, people can go read it. It says, it is not disputed by the parties here that it is the NFL's burden to establish by a preponderance of the evidence that a player engaged in the alleged prohibited conduct. That is the civil standard for what a civil suit is. So Paul, that's important part. Preponderance of the evidence is 51 to 49. So is it 51% possible that what happened? Now, there's two buckets within the NFL. There's the violent and nonviolent. What they're stating is, is that his conduct fell into the nonviolent uh, part. And then the other part is Sue Robinson outlining how the NFL is going about the policy. And I think now just to give a little background for our people out there, Sue Robinson is a district judge out of Delaware. She spent 26 years on the bench, mainly in arbitration, mediation, trade, trademark, antitrust. So this is a person who understands contractual litigation. That's the best way I can put this. Her job isn't to create legislation from a judicial position. And I hold that opinion, whether it's in, you know, social issues, there's a lot of stuff going around about the courts. Now we won't get down that route, but I have a general rule. I don't like judges creating rules. So she specifically says this in the summary that it's very possible to do more. However, the NFL did not meet the burden of saying a player should have known that if in the nonviolent category, you're almost constrained. So, you know, Greg Hardy, for example, beat a chick up. It was those photos, all this other stuff. So he's on the violent side. Whereas Deshaun Watson, they're like, and eh, this coercion thing. But at no point, Paul, does she ever say he's innocent of all these charges. So the NFL basically came out and said, Deshaun Watson did three things. He sexually assault, which by their definition, uh, conduct that poses a genuine danger to the safety and well-being of another person and conduct that undermines or puts the risk of the NFL, uh, the integrity of the NFL. That's the shield law, right? So it states here, the NFL opened the investigation after the first lawsuit. She brings that up in the summary saying that the NFL waited too long. They should have been ahead of this. I think we all can agree with that. But here's the part that's kind of interesting. So the NFL's case was centered around this statement. Mr. Watson allegedly worked with more than 60 massage therapists during a 15-month period beginning in the fall of 2019 through the winter of 2021. The NFL only investigated the claims of 24 therapists suing Mr. Watson for damages. Of these 24 complaints, the NFL investigators were only able to interview 12 of those 12. The NFL relied for its conclusions on the testimony of four therapists, as well as some of the 37 other third parties and substantial document uh, evidence. Basically, what that means is if all the women are saying the same thing, we're just going to pick these four in a trial. A lot of times when women start talking or defendants or stuff, they say, we'll just concede that all these people are going to say the same thing. So that's kind of what they did there. And then they go through the investigation, pages four through seven. She has to take what the definition of sexual assault is, what's defined in the CBA, because it says 
As noted above, the conduct of sexual assault is not defined in the CBA, the policy on the report. So on behalf of the NFL and one of its investigators defined the term at the evidentiary hearing as unwanted sexual contact with another person. Then she goes in to talk about how there, no one's disputing he used Instagram. No one's disputing that they knew he was a football player. No one's disputing that he arranged for private massage sessions with women whose professional qualifications were unknown to him, nor were their professional qualifications explored. So Paul, translation is he's sliding into the DMs and he doesn't really care how good of a masseuse they are. That's kind of the summary. Am I following? Am I tracking? Paul, do you have any questions at this point? Because we're going to get through this last part pretty quickly because I don't really want to sit here and go too much into like erections and all this other stuff. So do you have any questions about what I've said so far? No, it all makes sense, pal. I think, um, I think for, for me, is I, I don't really understand how the US works. If it was the UK, I think it'd be a little bit more black and white. Um, it would go down to what the law said and then the whether the law said that kind of it, really. And you're, in England, you're innocent until proven guilty, really. So, uh, well, US too. Yeah. But the hard place here is the NFL is not a judicial entity, right? So they don't have the power like a court would. So in investigations, and I'm not going down that civil uh, criminal thing again, we already been down that road. But the idea is the NFL doesn't have the same authority to prove that. So this is all about Sue Robinson's interpretation of the NFL's application of their own laws. So basically what they said is he's in the nonviolent, which I would love somebody to explain to me what nonviolent egregious sexual conduct is. Like, I don't, to me, if there's sexual conduct and it's egregious, there's a violence aspect to it. And I think that was pointed out many times in the NFL, which is why I think Paul, they're going to open the door, but just given through this last part for all the people out there that are like, this is totally innocent. She says right in here. So they're going, you guys can read this. And like I said, you don't need me to do it, but I'll give you the summary high level points is the debate on whether a guy can get hard during an, uh, a massage. So there's thighs, there's thumbs, blah, 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 blah. So she says right in here, moreover, the totality of the evidence, including the undisputed facts relating to Mr. Watson's use of towels, his focus points, and the not uncommon experience of massage therapists to have contact with the erect penis of their male clients lends support to my conclusion that it is more than probable than not that Mr. Watson did have erections and that his erect penis contacted the therapist as claimed by them. So for all the people out there saying that the women are lying, that, oh, no, well, she kind of blows that up for you right there in the body saying, yeah, it's more than likely that this happened. Then they go on to talk a little bit more about, is it possible that it's a he said, she said, is it a pay for perform? You know, they, they cite a lot of things within there that's other like Deshaun Watson's thing, right? So they bring up the 2012 Saints, they bring out deflate gate, they bring out these other things regarding the integrity of the NFL. And that's kind of where it gets nuanced into what's called precedent do they have the precedent to go for nonviolent? Because ironically in the NFL, Tom Brady deflating footballs and a pay that those are violent versus nonviolent. So since they deemed it as nonviolent, the max they could give them or the max per their CBA is six games. That's why if you look at the conclusion of what she says, she kind of hammers the NFL and says, listen, you've the, you're the ones that have created this double standard, right? She specifically says right in there, 
that, you know, the NFL is a forward facing organization, but not necessarily a forward looking one. And what she's saying is you give this image that you're looking at, but you're not actually doing it. The NFL responded to a violent conduct after a public outcry. So it seems the NFL is responding to yet another public outcry about his conduct, meaning you didn't do anything proactive to stop this. You just waited till the shit hit the fan. Then you decided you wanted to do something. At least in the former situation, the policy was changed and applied, applied proactively. Here, the NFL is attempting to impose a more dramatic shift in its culture without the benefit of fair notice to and consistency of conquest consequence for those in the NFL subject to the policy. What that means is their policy says that the max is six games, regardless of the action. Once it was given the classification of nonviolent, that's the max they can go. You can't then look at it and say, well, we're going to add these weighing factors. And this is where I think she gets it right. She's not legislating for the bench. And that's the interesting part there is like, she's not saying you can't do this. You can, if you want, but you need to be able to outline this in the future for other people. I've pulled the question to other ones. I don't know how you'd create a rule, you know, and that's the kind of weird. So, and this is specifically mentioned and I'm going to pull it up here. I have my pages switched around. So apologize for the wonderful uh, thing. She says, do not believe that it's appropriate to do so without notice of extraordinary change this position pretends for the NFL. And what she's basically saying there is you can do this, but you have to give them notice. Lewis Riddick, I think, also pointed this out as well, saying, hey, that's great and all these other things. But at the end of the day, you got to let people know or else it doesn't fly. So the idea that everybody's claiming Deshaun Watson's innocent, no, that's not what it says. Her job was to basically say this is what the interpretation of the law states within the context of your own contract. So the NFL owners are not under the CBA process. So they're basically saying the process in which we got here may be different for player suspensions and owner suspensions, but they're applying the personal conduct policy inconsistently per them. Now, I do think it's odd, Paul, that they're saying, here's the six games. And then it says right in there that Mr. Watson's pattern of conduct is more egregious than anything else. So that line right there, might tell us that the NFL can come back and say, it's right there in her document. This guy's pattern of conduct is more egregious than anything that's reviewed by this policy before. There's just not a rule that allows them to go into a certain thing. Now, also, if, if what he was saying was true and he wanted to protect his name and he didn't do anything wrong, she wouldn't have said, recognizing that this is the only discipline mentioned in the CBA is a fine or suspension. I nevertheless believe it is appropriate for Mr. Watson to limit his massage therapy to club directed sessions and club approved massage therapist for the duration of his career. So she's telling you, this guy's got a problem, whatever he's doing, he has this, this satisfaction, this desire fetish wise for this masseuse thing. So she's basically saying, listen, you don't actually say he has to do this because it's not outlined in the CBA. But we really recommend that you have controlled sessions because this guy obviously has a problem. And then they talk about now it doesn't say what would happen if he violates that. And then there's a clause in there about um, him not having any contact with law enforcement. But the idea is the NFL kind of boxed themselves in. And I think Robinson did a good job of making sure she didn't cross the line. But in the same sense, Deshaun Watson was not absolved of anything. And there's a lot of stuff in this document that the NFL can point to and say, hey, as she stated here, 
we can add this, we can add that. And if you go back and read the CBA, you'll see that there's some mitigating things if they decide to go into therapy and there's some escalating things, whether there's multiple violations. So she's saying the fact that it's 24 women is irrelevant. I heard four, these four put them in the nonviolent. So you can kind of weasel your way down. Right. And that set off. I think this is kind of going to be your area of expertise, Paul, the media shitstorm, the media shitstorm. Because now, and I know Jack's talked about it, the contract structure and all that other stuff. And people have talked about, well, yeah, but you didn't do this for anybody that ever had this personal conduct policy investigation hanging over their head, right? And then some of the female uh, reporters out there, rightfully so, they're bothered by it. Warren Sharp, $45 million signing bonus, $46 million salary, every penny's fully guaranteed. Nothing changed. So the Browns have to take ownership and we're going to get to their statement because that was awful. Paul, and this is what I say. The Browns have to take ownership. They acted with this contract like none of this stuff existed. So they want to be like, well, we're just, we're hiding behind the rules here. We're just playing by the rules. But all of the things in totality say that the Browns were basically like, listen, we're going to operate business as usual. The blowback's going to come. We get it. Here's the money. And as I think Joe Banner or Andrew Brand or somebody pointed out, He's using the money he got from the Browns and the Texans to pay off the women that alleged he sexually assaulted them. Right. And it's like, you have a judge saying, yeah, you're really kind of guilty of all these things and gave you guidelines and rules about, you can't even get a massage. We can't trust you enough to get a massage on your own, but you're going to be the franchise quarterback. So Paul, you've been on Twitter, obviously media. What would you overall say the scope or the, like, how would you rate, the coverage right now of everything that's going on? Look, it's news. And there ain't a lot of news going on, really. You can talk about stuff at every camp. Um, it's the, Baker, Baker interceptions? Yeah. It's it's uh, it's leading news at the moment, I'm, I'm afraid to say. We should be talking about a huge impact of our team is come back today, Jack Conklin. But he's not going to get one mention at all today. You will for me, Jack. Shout out. Jack, his wife, Caitlin, they're awesome um, kids. And I was really upset about that, um, the wide receiver. I had Isaiah, high hopes for him. Isaiah Weston, yeah, carted off. Yeah. And we'll get into a little bit more Brown stuff. Duffin's uh, tied up this week, not literally, uh, with some engagements. Um, obviously, this is a – everybody knows Jack's point on this one. Um, so having us – having his opinion, he can add a little bit later on in the week. We just wanted to get something out there kind of explaining it from our side, you know, what we see again, everybody's going to have their own personal beliefs. You know, Paul, you, you wanted to focus on the back of quarterback, which I think is a legit question. I mean, if a guy's six and zero going in and you have a guy that hasn't played football in a year and a half, two years, I mean, I, I don't know if I start him right away. Maybe I bring him in for some series, let him get some throws under his belt, but you know, it, the football team's going to have to move on. And regardless of the NFL appeals or not, you're right, Paul. Things like Jack Conklin, Isaiah Weston, you know, Michael, um, Michael, uh, what the heck, Woods, Michael Woods Jr. running with the, the ones. Like, these are talkable things that we could talk about as a team, you know, and I think the NFL's hope is whether they appeal or not. And I know there's thousands of other things that happen downstream, but at some point we're going to have to turn our focus to the football team, you know, regardless of Deshaun Watson and, you know, his situations and all that other stuff. But I mean, overall, there's a lot of sticky things out there. No pun we intended. Find uh, Derek Dillon. 
uh, LSU guy, you know, a practice squad guy. He's right up um, the buddy. Yeah, but like, he doesn't excite me in any way, I'm afraid to say. Yeah, you know, you get that. You he get that. Simply- so, but other than that, if there's any, do you want to add anything else, Paul? No, look, I wanted this podcast to be uh, 15 minutes. I think it's, it's, um, over 15 minutes just a little bit um, not too bad we've got a, lo- a little bit too much deep with Deshaun Watson but on the on the flip side you know it is key news everyone's saying their input on it um my view is let's get these uh, six games out of the way and uh, review the situation it's going to be a roller coaster season season someone said 4 and 11 for the browns prediction i think that's awful you know like they're going to win four uh, of their first six games regardless yeah they're going to be right around that. I would say that guesstimate nine and eight, 10 and seven would probably be my guesstimation somewhere in there. They'll be right around that. Yeah. And it really depends. I mean, obviously I have my opinions on Deshaun Watson, the person, but at the end of the day, the question is, is do we get Deshaun Watson, the four and 12 quarterback or Deshaun Watson, the playoff caliber quarterback? I mean, this is a guy that hasn't played professional football since 2020. And I think a lot of people forget that. And the other thing we're all forgetting about is, Next Friday night, the Browns got their first game. How exciting. Yeah. Back back to a regularly uh, scheduled program of some podcasts, right? Exactly. We're going to get back in the rhythm. But look, Ian, great catching up with you. You as well. We'll loop Duffin in later. Um, but yeah, if you guys have any questions, just shoot them to us. Either our DMs are always open. I'm at Ian, Ian19. Paul, I know that you uh, are an active person in terms of the Twitter. So find Paul either on Instagram or Twitter. Then the Paul Brown UK, he's easy to find 25,000 plus followers out there. So just keep uh, stirring the pot with the backup quarterback. You seem to uh, rile the fan base up just as much. The only difference is those comments are a much, much less embarrassing and much less pathetic than the other takes, you know, the, the other ones, the Browns. So I much more rather read your replies. I even jump into those at times and say, Hey, why not sit them the whole season? But you know, Hey, at the end of the day, we're going to turn our sights moving forward. Uh, it still doesn't ignore all the other stuff, hopefully a little bit more of a hierarching understanding of what this process was really what it wasn't, what it didn't need to be. And who knows in a couple of days, if the NFL appeals doesn't appeal, maybe we'll do something a little bit more detailed on it. I've got some lawyer friends that can gladly provide me all the wisdom and insight. You know, I luckily can understand half of this stuff. Um, so I can give you a little bit of understanding there, but other than that, if we got nothing else to say, uh, let's hit them with a, the, uh, let's go Browns, right? Paul's stuck in an elevator. Go Browns.